Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the session. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. Back uh, two days in a row now. I had a show yesterday, too, um, which is fun. We had the guys from, you know them, Vito. They're big fans of yours. Yeah, Brewall. Brewall, yeah, from uh, uh, Benicia out there. And uh, yeah, like I said, big fans of yours. Uh, I am here with uh, my homebrewing friends, some pro-brewing friends, some old friends, some family friends. This is, uh, an, ex- this is an exciting show. It's... Um, it's the Brewing Network doing a homebrew show. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> right? Um, which our fans will uh, make fun of me for forever. Uh, in the studio with me today, Vito DeLucci. Welcome, Vito. Welcome. Thanks for having me. He's uh, uh, of more beer fame, among among other things. Uh, Matt Sager from Danville Brewing Company is with us today. Thank you so much. My good friend uh, Lee McDowell is here with us today. Welcome, Lee. Thanks for having me. And... And uh, uh, Tasty's brother, uh, Dan, right? Dan McDole is also here in the studio today, which is exciting. Well, it's like a familiar face over there, Dan. Uh, and uh, and then uh, my my oldest homebrewing friend, not by age, but by friend, uh, Chris Graham is <laughs> back in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is the Dortmunder show because Chris Graham and I homebrewed uh, a beer together. And we're going to enter it into the national homebrew competition. Uh, we have entered it. You, you just with, gave away the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're done. Uh, we're done. Right. Which neither of us have ever done before. No, that was the cool part. When you suggested it, I was like, mm, I guess we could do that. I've only ever um, entered one competition. It was like in year two of this thing. So like 2006. And I think I won a medal for it, actually. What? I think I got like a bronze that I'm why probably is that lying. hanging up here because I'm probably lying, but I remember it seemed to remember I got something for it. Maybe I got like honorable mention Part- participation award. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was they, that. they were doing certificates for a while. you. Might have been that you were here. Yeah, and it wasn't the it wasn't the national competition. It was some small competition. Um, and anyway, that's the last time um, that I've homebrewed. No, not the last time that I've homebrewed, but the last time I entered a, a beer competition. So, well, well, let's be honest. Did you really homebrew this? Uh, this one, I watched you do a lot of it. <laughs> I was there, and then in spirit, 
<laughs> too. So we're going to talk about the whole process and the idea and everything today. Let me get through uh, a few items of business. First, thanks to our sponsor, More Beer. Chris Graham knows them well. Uh, Chris Graham agreed to sponsor my show before I ever even did a show. Um, and he's regretted it ever since. Favorite mistake. <laughs> yeah. Go to morebeer.com. Uh, my favorite thing to check out while you're there is the co- anything that says Comos on it. It just blows my mind. I my, used my kegerator this weekend uh, at the Firestone Invitational MDRB. Beer Festival. Yeah, brought sand to the beach. Why not? Um, and, like Had beer out of it for that. Uh, it's always in my RV. Um, uh, I have the Comos Jockey Box, which is incredible. My favorite part, about the Comos, I have two favorite parts about the, the one I have. One is that instead of coils, I have a plate chiller at the bottom of mine so I can put beer on top. But my other actual really favorite part is a more simple apparatus, and that's that the taps, the Comos taps, automatically snap back. Spring load. They're spring loaded. And I didn't even know that when I got the thing. I get home and I... And I, I just, I played with it for like a half an hour because I just couldn't believe because I, how many times have you left the tap open on your jockey box accidentally or bumped it? Bumped it, yeah. Right? That's usually what happens. Yeah, that's, that's looking you know, at you like zero. None. <laughs> <laughs> Who leaves it open? Like, or anybody, you know, if you're at a party, somebody bumps it or whatever. Sure. sure. And I'm talking. Or if you drive with it in an RV. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I'm talking about a pretty hefty spring here. I mean, it like really snaps back. So the entire line of Comos anything, I'm just a massive fan. I'm going to get it tattooed on my back, I think. Well, guess what we're giving away this month on Free Beer Friday? Oh. Uh Uh-oh. Jockey Box? The Comos Rubicon uh, Jockey Box. That exact one. The one I have with the the plate chiller? Yep. Oh, someone is going to be very And guess what you and I are giving away at Club Night in addition to that one? Uh, what? Another one. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think it's great. Like, I didn't know. I've never seen the plate chiller version until I went to the showroom. It's perfect for homebrewers. I, it, it, I don't think they're very ideal for a commercial beer. Mm. Um, or, I mean, if you're keeping your keg very cold at the festival, then it's fine. But it's only like 12 and a half feet of stainless in there. I see. So it's not a long contact time. But I think for most homebrewers, it's great. Okay. We have a f- four tap jockey box and and the coils are pretty short so anything over about 70 degrees we have to cool ice our cakes down. Down. Yeah, yeah ice or cakes down yeah i love it it's great go to morebeer.com check it out and uh, tell them i sent you tell them chris sent you too because he's here sending you <laughs> um okay uh ways to support the show i get asked all the time still you can still support us uh by clicking the donate button on our homepage. you can do one time or you can sign up for a recurring donation a lot of you've been doing it for so long so many years i appreciate it uh, it still pays my rent. The bar doesn't pay me anything. The, you guys pay my rent, and I appreciate it very much. Also, if you don't have any extra dollars, that's okay. You could do your Amazon shopping. I know you all shop on Amazon. I've never met anybody who doesn't shop on Amazon. Um, you could do your Amazon shopping by clicking the link on our homepage. There's like a banner, and uh, and that helps us out. Um, the other thing you do is just let our sponsors know that you heard them here on the show. Um, we got a lot of them, and they'd love to hear from you. Um, for example, Beersmith, the Beersmith brewing software. He loves to hear from you, and you can download that uh, for, for free for 21 days. So since we're talking homebrew, I might as well mention a great homebrewing software is, is Beersmith. Go to Beersmith.com and check it out. Also, we love to hear from you, so please send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. All right. That's, uh, everything else is fun now today. Um, okay. So I had this – I don't know what happened, but – Chris Graham and I have just been, even before we kind of reconnected about it, 
have been getting like back into homebrewing. Now, of course, we've always been in like the homebrewing world. I mean, for Christ's sake, he has Chris owns a homebrew shop, but this is different. We both sort of on our own just started geeking out again on homebrew stuff. And then we got together for a beer. And I, then I realized you were like actually brewing. You you had a, a new all-in-one system that you were brewing on a lot. You've got the free beer Fridays and different things like that happening. Um, and so uh, I think I just sent you a text one day because um, we had already said, hey, we should brew together. And we didn't really know when or kind of say that all the time. And then it never happens. But I got an email one day, as I always do, because I'm a member of the American Homebrewers Association, which you should be too, that said entries are due. And it gave like whatever the deadline was. And I went, oh, you know what? I think Chris and I should do this. We, I, I, and I hadn't talked to you, but I was certain you've never entered. No. You've been going for longer than me, but I've been going for 18 years or something, 17 years. 2001 in Dallas. Okay. And so, oh, five or oh six would have been my first one right so um and i just knew you'd never done the competition though you're always there for work right like you know we do do the booth and and help out with other things and to be brutally honest it's like i don't want to compete with our customers that's Mm. not a goal of mine to be entering to take spots away from them Um, right but nowadays and i think that you and I just being in the industry, it's just healthy for us to be homebrewing, right? Absolutely. So I just I just texted Chris and said, I think we should brew a beer and enter it into the competition. So I wrote him back, like, awesome. Like, what kind of beer do you want to make? And I'm thinking he's going to say a hazy or some crap I don't want. <laughs> no. And he goes, back with, IPA. He comes <laughs> right. back with two yeah. styles of beer. Yeah. Uh, pale ale, of course, because I always just want a pale ale. And I don't, and I've, I think, uh, I've probably only ever brewed three, t- four types of beer. Uh, so I've almost exclusively brewed pale ales. All four batches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one on my list was a Dortmunder. And, and the reason was I had, well, I just love the style. Um, but I remembered early on in the Brewing Network day, days, two people bringing in delicious Dortmunders and that's doc. He had a really good recipe and tasty and tasty won a silver medal with his Dortmund. I remembered that. Um, and I just loved it when they brought that beer in and about once a year, I think they would both brew it. It was just kind of a hit for them everywhere they went. So I, I posed both of those to you, Chris. Yeah, He posed them both. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. We'll choose one. And I promptly went back to work. And forgot all about this. And then later that night, I think, I went to look at my emails because I'm also an AHA member, which you should be if you're not. Yep. And I see that uh, we missed the deadline. It was like 5 o'clock that day. Oh. And I looked at it at like 5.30. I'm like, oh, crap. So whatever. We missed it. I'll just not tell Justin. Forgot all about uh, it. We'll yeah. just move along in life. <laughs> I would have forgotten about it eventually. But then the next, I think it was the next day or two days later, like an email comes out. We extended it. I'm like awesome. This is fate. We're doing it. So I sign us up. And as I'm signing up, I try to text him and he doesn't answer, of course. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, we're going to do a Dortmunder. That sounds more fun. I'd rather have a Dortmunder on tap at home than anything else. Right. And so uh, I go through and I'm like, and we hadn't talked about it, but I'm like, those two beer styles, that's, we're in tasty territory. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, it makes you say like who brewed it and I, I put your and I's name and because I didn't know what we were going to do next. Yeah. And then it said, name the beer. And I'm like, 
Tasty's Treats. Tasty's Treats. And if you don't know what a Tasty's Treat is, it's <laughs> something pretty special. <laughs> yeah. Ours is not as special, but <laughs> well, it doesn't have the same effect. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool name, though. Uh, yeah. And then I put in, um, I don't know, whatever else you have to in the style, which is no longer even 1E anymore. You have to, it's grouped under other styles and um, this, that, and the other. And then submit that in, write you. And then I was talking to Vito in one of our meetings and I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing. I'm like, you know, we should we should make a little posse and like get some consultants here who really know these beer styles well. Because we want to do it like respect too exactly right exactly we didn't want to hack one and call it tasty treats and make a terrible beer well and not just that my i when i texted you about this my whole idea was really participating in the homebrew conference as homebrewers not just as sponsors so i want to pour the beer like at club night and so that's the other reason so you're that we're kind like, of hoping I have some left. <laughs> yeah, I was, but I was more, this to me was more why we really can't screw it up because you can't yeah. be like, like, yeah, we really know about homebrew. Here's and, this awful thing. And now coming in last place. <laughs> yeah. So uh, reach out to brewers that we know. And then I think you, I, and, I, and then I'm like, well, I don't know how to get like Tasty's recipe. I don't have Tasty's recipe. Um, but you must have then reached out to Lee. Well, that's where I use Vito, the great communicator with everyone. Okay. And I'm like, all right, you're friends with Sager and, and Tasty and Sager are always together. So you got to you gotta solicit him to be part of this. And then I think you said, let's get Lee involved. Yep. Um, and then that's what prompted emailing Lee. Like, here's what we want to do. Any chance we could get, you know, your dad's recipes. And you send us back a screenshot of like, oh, man. 20 versions of the Dortmunder, <laughs> but I remembered 07 being the year he took the silver. So mm. I'm like, that one. And sure enough, thank you, Tasty. The notes are in there that he took silver in that, that year. Oh, that's right. They were right in the recipe. Yeah. Notes. Everything is. How do you have all of your dad's recipes, Lee? So he's, his computer, we still have access to his computer, and he was kept meticulous you know, notes with, with, uh, this pro mash, I think. Of course he did. Files in there. Yeah. yeah of course. Well, and that's Surprise. the amazing yeah. part is he's using a software. I mean, pro mash, yeah. we talk about Beersmith, and, and, you know, Mike worked on some pretty old school software for, Oh man, you should try opening it in 2022. Yeah. It is some old software, but I mean, in <laughs> life, Mike was yeah. a programmer and he worked on some oh, right. old software. Right. So I think he liked the old school style of software. Did it take, did the computer take four hours to boot up, to it boot up the it took a long time. It took a long time <laughs> to boot up. Running, running, wait, running I tried Windows. several different USB sticks to get the data off. It didn't come off right away. You know, it was not formatted in the right way or something. But right. Okay. Was yeah. it running Windows 3.11? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so found the recipe for us, which is great. Because yeah. I just thought, I was like, well, we're going to be able to get close by talking to people. But having the exact recipe was awesome. Well, and all of us who met Mike in his earlier years, and I say Mike because it was before he was tasty, he would almost always either have a two and a half gallon keg with him. And on that keg would be a label, four and a, half, a four by six label with everything that had to do with that recipe perfectly put on there. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. And he would sit at more beer in the parking lot and chat with people as they came in and out on a Friday night. And it was so awesome. And uh, that's what I always appreciated. And then if he gave you a bomber of beer, which he also did. Yeah. The recipe on it. They would have the uh, the whole recipe, the yeah. water chemistry, the everything, uh, the mash right. schedule. 
Um, yeah. So I was just hoping to like find something like that or a memory. Like I just, I was like, he must have talked to Matt so much about these beers that I just thought you were like, not that you'd memorize everything, but I just, I tried. I thought we'd get I tried close. to soak it all in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But so to, to actually find the recipe was super cool. And then, so we had Vito and Matt like really kind of look it over for us. Um, I'm curious about your experience, like looking, like maybe your first look at it, Vito, if you were like, yeah, wow, this guy nailed it or, you know, yeah, what stuck out to me was like, yeah, you know, like Chris had, had said all the way down to the water chemistry, you know, the, the parts per million of, uh, the sulfite level and things like that in 2007, which was, you know, yeah, just great to see that. So yeah, just great notes, um, across the board. So that was awesome and, and made it easily recreatable for us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't surprising to me that there were 20 different versions of the same. <laughs> right. Do, do, do you guys yeah, remember one of his secrets to lagers that he kind of formulated over time? The fast lager? No, mm. not the fermentation side, oh. the grain bill side. Oh, mixing um, two-row, just regular base malt with Pilsner 15% malt. Yep. of two-row mm -hmm. because he just felt like most of the continental Pilsners were just lacking in of that body and, and some of the flavor yeah uh, and, and it can be a little grainy yeah 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 when, when you're doing 100 uh, uh continental okay pilsner malt yeah well maybe this is a good time since you're mentioning that to kind of describe the style because i went back today to to just look through what a, a dortmund i just knew i loved the beer right and i didn't think a whole lot about it but i yep. wanted to know what some of the differences were now first of all i also discovered today you know i'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes is our is ours a Dortmunder export? Or like, is it a high enough ABV, or is ours a, just a Dortmunder? I couldn't find Dortmunder itself in the BJCP. It was removed in 2015. It was okay. Export, yeah. Ah, because okay. it is referenced in the Dortmunder mm -hmm. export that it, if it's not the right ABV, it wouldn't really be an export beer. Our, ours is an export in gravity at minimum. Perfect. So, yeah. Okay. Go. Good. The part you cared about, I could tell. Excellent. Because it's a it was it's a German tax thing sure. of why they would have to call it an export or something. And so actually, uh, um, Mark uh, from Bruhol last hmm. night asked me, and I was like, I don't fucking know, man. It's just a Dortmund. <laughs> I really don't know. So you I had to ask. Questions for. Yeah, I had to ask you guys. I always liked the style because it was it's kind of a Goldilocks beer. Um, it ha it has the the maltiness of a Helles and the hoppiness of a of a German Pils. It's right. Yeah. Like directly in between those and and um yeah I've I've always loved that you style. You just read that verbatim off of BJCP without <laughs> even looking at it. Yeah. It no, does I, say that. And which the, I Okay. And but this is what I'm saying. I knew what I liked. Does it about say it. Goldilocks on the No, it does, yeah. Oh. It says Matt Sager <laughs> calls it a right. Goldilocks. Um no, but it really says that it has, yeah, Hellas and Pills and mm -hmm. but it's in the middle. And Part of what's in the middle about it is the softer maltiness mm -hmm. and like kind of more of a perfect balance. Right. And I think that that's probably where Tasty got like some of his pale ale idea or pale malt idea, because to get something just a little, I don't know, not not necessarily sweeter, but a, a Dortmunder can certainly have some sweetness to it. And I think maybe that was his two row thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've taken that that advice that he gave me uh, on that into other realms. And, you know, he would do that as well with his IPAs and his pale ales. He would throw in a small amount of, of Belgian pills okay. into his IPAs to to soften the grain bill a little bit. I've always liked that. And I've taken it with me. Yeah. Into the probery, too. Mm -hmm. Look mm -hmm. at you go. Um, Danville. 
Yeah, of course. It's uh, the 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 beer is um, indigenous to the Dortmund industrial region of Germany, um, and uh, the style's kind of been on decline in recent years. Like I went looking for one for us, even though I didn't. If even if I found one, I didn't expect it to taste very good. I couldn't even find one at even the big stores. Right now. Not that you know, I mean, <clears throat> I don't. I. It's been so long since I've had knowingly a Dortmunder export. I'm sure that. That it's brewed, but they call it something completely different because sure. you put Dortmunder on a board, on a menu <laughs> board, a brewery, and they're yeah. going to get as far as Dort and be like, uh, what's your pale ale? Right. Unless you're me, and I'll be like, I'll take six right. of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you're right. That's It's not going to sell a lot of beer. Not even in Germany. Apparently. But I've also noticed a lot of Hellas bumping up in alcohol recently. We were in Minnesota for the Craft Brewers Conference and tons of great Hellas there. But I noticed their starting gravity is bumping up and bumping up mm-hmm. and so they're they're kind of pushing themselves into this category that's what we do all the time americans it's got to bump up the gravity don't we um it does say like under the flavor that like yeah neither the pilsner malt uh, or malt in general in this case or the hops dominate it's got to have like balance is kind of the the key to to this style which is i think what i always liked about both docs and tasties is if you like hops they're totally there if you like malt, it's totally there, just in a, in a really nice balance. Um, should be pretty cl- crystal clear, right? Um, should be. Just, uh, let's just use the word should. Well, and so I was, tr- I, I went around looking for photos uh, t- to put on the website because I didn't have a photo of us from Brew Day. Um, I just put in like, you know, Google search Dortmund or export. And I saw a bunch of different photos on homebrew sites. Not one of them was a clear beer. They were all like kind of cloudy. And I was like, well, you guys, we fucked this up. And so I didn't take any of those photos, right? But it should be. Uh, and I remember, um, well, so Tasty was a filterer, right? He used the old school filters that you guys the had. Plate ones, yeah. Doc was more of a finer than a filterer. He would fine to get his, but they were both crystal clear. They sound both like adulterers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Pilsner or loggers in general are are incredibly difficult to clarify just with gravity okay you yeah know, it's yeah. it's a very powdery yeast and uh even at at, at uh at work at danville we, you know it, it takes a it takes a lot longer to when we're finding a, a lager to get it nice and clear and do you otherwise filter then we don't filter at all we find everything okay. but but uh eventually our 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 lagers turn out crystal clear right it's just a matter of patience time. yeah time and temperature time okay yep yeah. Well, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit when we taste it, too. Um, Chris and I did do a preliminary tasting, basically almost right after you kegged it, right? Yeah, I was fresh off of COVID. I had zero flavor profile. (laughs) You couldn't taste. I could taste pretty well. um, But my main note was it, it just wasn't quite crystal clear yet. It wasn't um, even close when we did. Yeah, I wouldn't call it hazy, but you know, it, it was, was still cloudy. it was tra- yeah, but it's just a little cloudy. And but to me, it was still young, like it hadn't even then lagered for you know six weeks. And and so I just thought, yeah, this is going to be fine. Let's just so so today we'll we be have, we'll, I, I'll get to see the difference. I would imagine say, by the time it's judged, even just in bottle, you know, it'll 
it'll yeah, fall out. Still got another well, two, two we, weeks. We bottled some that day just to do it. And then, so those are the ones that come out are labeled one in the cap. Okay, so we'll and get to taste two, that. And two then... are like a week and a half later where it was crystal clear. Nice. Okay. So yeah, that I think is a hallmark of the style. And then in the in the description on the BJCP, it also does talk about the water quite a bit. It says that it's a generally uh, minerally water with high levels of sulfates, carbonates, and chlorides, um, which, uh, again, under the description, kind of talks about why it does well with spicy noble hops, that those can kind of accentuate that. Um, so is that what we did to the water, Vito? Yeah, so we had Mike's exact notes, um, and I could pull it up, but we we hit it within five parts per million. Okay. Um, let's see. Do you want the notes? Uh, yeah, if you got it easier than yeah, here. Yeah, I want to say it was like 300 parts per million sulfite, uh, which is pretty high. Um, so it makes sense that you know, reads what you're reading there. Yeah. Um, and it would, the calcium level is pretty high too. Let's see. What do we got? What here? do we put in to get sulfite? Uh, sulfite is a uh, uh, gypsum calcium gypsum. Okay. sulfite. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then we added a little calcium. So we started with RO water. I guess let's talk about the water in general, which made it really easy to build up to that profile. So we started with RO water. Where did we um, get RO water? Um, More beer? I have an RO filter at work. So. At work. Okay. Yeah. So we got, all right. So you brought home all the water we brewed with. Yes. Nice. Okay. We yeah. Treated. And then that morning um, when you came over, yeah, we treated it, um, added a little acid to, to, to drop the pH there. Um, calcium chloride. Uh, we also added, uh, what else did we have in there? Calcium chloride. And I want to say a little, oh, there was salt. Um, Burton salt. Okay. One. Yeah. Um, which what which we got one? it within five parts per Epson. million. So, oh, just yeah. That's okay. what it was, yeah. Epsom. Yeah. Okay. All right. But the, the, the ratio, uh, the, the chloride to sulfite ratio was... was two to one. Um, no, three to one, actually, uh, in favor of sulfite. Okay. okay. Yep. Is that it? So if we, if we wanted to list all the... I can probably... We should share this recipe. Share the recipe. I think like we should definitely the share this on the, on the print on the water side. It, uh, I'm not getting. Um, oh, did can, my printer can do you its read weird that thing again? I'll give that to Matt, and uh, then I'll pull up my I phone. Multiple pages. Um, okay, here we glasses. go. Are we right so now we trying added, to find the youngest eyes in the room that can yeah, read this we, page? We added Lee cal- McDowell, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> cal- <laughs> calcium chloride. Printer problem. I don't think Epsom salt, gypsum. Those three. Say say once again for me. I'm sorry. Calcium chloride. Yep. Epsom salt and gypsum. Okay. With gypsum being the the highest, uh, which is the calcium sulfate. Okay. And that's it. So from RO water to that. Yeah. And a little um, lactic acid too, just to adjust the pH. Okay. So there's a little magnesium in there as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I can get you here. Let's pull up the exact parts per million. Let's see. People might want to know, but if we can publish it on the the site. Let's publish it. That's easier than me go through the phone here. (laughs) Oh, wait, here I got it. Okay. There we go. Um, So um, calcium 110. Magnesium eighteen, um, Na which is sodium eight, uh, chloride fifty one, um, SO two two seventy one, and and um, uh, HCO three sixteen parts okay. all parts per million. Got it. Okay, and cool. so now had we not used RO water, of course we wouldn't have exactly done that, right? We would have had to do some more guesswork, which is also something Tasty kind of did. He would like get reports from EB Mud or something to kind of figure out where we were. And it was pretty consistent. I think I remember him saying, 
and then sort of guess to add on top of that. Does that sound about yeah, right? Yeah. So the the water is he on East Mud in, in Clayton Contra out there? Contra Costa. Contra Costa. So he's Costa. on my same water. Yeah, so I'm but, very familiar with it. Okay. Um, it. It changes seasonally. Um, so and those reports are based on averages. So just a, it's if you can get a report online, great for homebrewers. Start there. But what I found is I always would test every night before I would brew mm. um, because the water seasonally does change. You might get algae blooms in the summer that that affect, uh, you know, numerous things. They're pulling from different sources. They're pulling from different sources. Yeah. So okay. it's always best to test. But that water report gives you a great starting point. So if you got nothing, start there. The best thing is to get like a Lamont water kit and test, you know, before you brew. <laughs> got it. Okay. I'm parked at least. Yeah, I always was reverse like, osmosis. I put it through a charcoal filter. It's fine. <laughs> Another like <laughs> tips for for that. So like all of our mo- water has minerals in it, right? It has calcium. Those things. So if, if you don't, what you could do is get you know your groundwater, filter it with a carbon filter to to remove the chlorine. But then um, you could blend it fifty fifty with distilled or RO water. So then you're not. So we had to add all those um, TDSs back in total dissolved solids. Um, but if if you're blending like that, you could use the the natural minerals that are in the water already. Okay. All right. So we started from scratch because again, we're trying like the best. We're going we for can. perfection. We're going for perfection here. Yeah. Why there's a team of twenty of us <laughs> to do it. Uh, all right. Well, what's next then in in the recipe? Should we talk about the malt? I I think the malt, but then I think one thing that was really cool, and I, I, we talked about it that day, was um, the protein rest that he did, um, or or the the rest at one forty four. Um, beta amylase beta amylase rest um that was kind of neat and you don't see that often um there was three rests right there was the 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 oh. main um the 144 one what does it say 54, there, 154 and then the mash out yeah, yeah. so that was kind of okay different yeah well we could talk about that too when we taste the beer and see if we notice what you think that might have done to it right? yeah we talked about that that day of, of can you can you take like there's some people that are firm on the side of that you know those rests uh, make a difference, and then some yeah, of you know, are, yeah. malt is pretty well uh, modified. Yeah. Modified at this point, <laughs> uh, but if you think about what a beta amylase does, is it cleaves everything in half? Sure. And a alpha amylase chomps on the end. So sure. the concept used to be, when especially when things were unmodified, is like break everything down into tiny things and then let little Pac Man eat it up. Um, so I think that's kind of he was going for the best of both worlds mm. uh, concept in that. Yeah. Yeah, because I had brought up on Brew Day that it's an age-old discussion just on the Brewing Network. Uh, that like basically since Dan Gordon came in from Gordon Biersch and did his first show with us and declared with one hundred percent certainty that uh, it doesn't matter if malts are modified. If you truly want to brew a German-style beer, you must use steps. You have to modify it yourself that you're going to say quadruple decoction or well he was on certain styles he would say that too um which sparked literally a years long debate because then other pro brewers would come on and be like fuck that malts are so highly modified that you'd never know the difference and well there's people who argued the other way since they're yeah. already modified, modified, so if you take them through a acid rest, now they're already acidified, and now you're doing damage to the whole thing before you start. Yeah, right. So um, we used the tasty method, which was at least a couple steps. Yeah, I think yeah. Our, our main goal here was to to recreate exactly be true, be true. Right. Yeah, and the one thing we, Mike definitely was was practical, always practical, mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. too much wasted. Um, 
steps or things yep. like the fermentation was very practical. We'll go through that after this. But, sure. Um, the mash, it's, it's, you know, you're getting highly fermentable by going through that quick beta and then up to the alpha. And uh, right. And there's no harm in doing it. It's not like you wasted a ton of time in that uh, area. Sure. Well, and then since we're talking about the mash, you know, one thing we didn't do, and this is what I will blame if we don't win a medal. Uh, dog hair. Dog hair. I was he, just thinking he, about that. Oh, rightly. Yeah. What was the what was the the, the Labradoodle's name? Murphy. Murph. That's Murph right. Dog, yeah. Oh, Murph was a cool dog. Yeah. A big yeah. old Labradoodle. Big Labradoodle. He was real. Um, he was real active. Right. He's always running around on brew days. Always, you know, dab to spray him with the hose in the middle of the brew. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, and the hair was everywhere. He couldn't, you know, right. Labradoodles aren't supposed to, they're not supposed to shed that much, but he still, he did shed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he got everywhere. It's real light, wispy hair. And so it would be in, inside of a clean, uh, keg or whatever. He'd, yeah. He'd, totally. he'd fall in there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and tasty. Yeah. That was it. He'd be like, listen, if you don't have a pinch of Murph in there, uh, you know, that was his secret. Not so like I said, that, that'll be my, that's what I'm blaming. If we. You know, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but was Olin's Labrador yes. there? O Olin's uh, ah, golden, there was a dog there. Golden yes, there was a dog was there. there. So we did have, and that thing sheds like crazy. So there so must there have been plenty some hair, of hair in there. In there. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right, then we might be okay. Mm -hmm. That might be okay. Which this is that hair of the dog or dog of the hair? That's li yeah, that's dog of the hair, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and at this time, just another tasty anecdote, um, which um, I, I didn't learn this until his memorial, and I, it, it might have been you, Lee, who yeah. mentioned it. Um, tasty bought a vehicle for his dog, so he bought a Toyota 4Runner, same that I own. Because the back window goes down, like all the way, in the, which is not, there's only like two vehicles on earth that have the back. It's not like the 70s that when we all had the station wagon with, <laughs> with the yeah. back. So he like, someone had said that Tasty literally chose the model of his truck so his dog could hang out in the back with his head out the window. Not the side window, the, the literally all the way in the back. Yeah, he uh, bought it used a couple of years and there was a particular year. That he knew he wanted, so that he could get that back window, right. slobber, I, which I which <laughs> yeah, less slobber. Dan saying uh, uh, less slobber on the side of the vehicle if it's just going out the back. Yeah. It's a brilliant I practical. Thought it was a, I told you he's practical. practical. Yep. practical guy. <laughs> thought it was a brilliant move. Yep. I um, always thought it was to deliver all those kegs up to NCHF that he brought with him. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it mean, was packed. It was always packed. Yeah. Be also, his uh, kegs are always delivered perfectly cold, each in its own like igloo cooler. Yep. Remember that, or at least um, the Sleeve. neoprene sleeve leave mm -hmm. um and and then yeah he showed up at parties also with the with the igloo cooler and and beer yep. in it later he switched to the shorties i think but uh early on he still did a five gallon keg everywhere i think he got tired of rebrewing all the beer he'd show up with a five gallon and everyone would drink it all he'd be like i gotta rebrew all that beer <laughs> right i'm taking a two and a half next time well as much as it got later because later he had three parties a week to go to <laughs> like <laughs> Yep. Here's Tuesday's keg. Here's Thursday's keg. Yeah. And you always yeah. told me he hated that. The, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. He hated. Oh, I gotta, he did sort of always. You just actually sounded like him too. Oh, I got to go to this thing. <laughs> did he okay. hate it though? No, he did no. not. He did not <laughs> hate it. He lived for it. Yeah, he, he definitely. But it was nice to listen to him grumble about it, you know. Um, okay. So yeah. he, he used the little kegs from the beginning that I remember in 2001 in Dallas, we Regan drove our van um, 
and we put packed all this beer in it as well. And he had to stop every six hours to re-ice, which was awesome. That is hilarious. <laughs> and uh, Mike had a little keg, and we it was a small keg, and it was really good beer. Tell and, me he had a temperature probe that he was checking Yeah, that would have been too much gear. But Mike had this great beer, but it was kind of in a cooler. Like, you had to open the lid of the cooler to get to the picnic tap to do it. And he would only kind of give it to certain people at the club night, because it was the very first club night. Right. And... Charlie Papazian comes by and Mike's like, please try my beer. And he did. Oh, this is good. And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like he probably says to everyone. But then about a half hour later, he comes back and he's like, can to I have more. some more of that beer? Uh, I've had a lot of this other beer and that was really good beer. And that, wow. I mean, that just like lit him up. The moment yeah, for Tasty. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we do this? We've got more to talk about on the recipe, but maybe it'll be more fun to have the beer in front of us while we talk about the grain bill and the hops and all of that. And then also we get to try the beer. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to get us to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to taste our slash. Well, I'm not going to call it Tasty's Dortmunder until we taste it. Our Dortmunder <laughs> until it passes muster. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hang in there. You're listening to the session. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, we are back, and we've got Dortmunder in our glass. Uh, Dortmunder that, that we brewed in our glass. Um, and the first thing we all notice, of course, is the color and the clarity. And so, so far, we nailed it, right? It's like on. perfectly clear. Yeah. And didn't, Graham, didn't we like forget to put some of the findings in? Too? No, no. It, and it's all this has is ice and glass. Uh, not ice and glass. Um, put fish guts in this? No, it, it does not have fish guts. Um, <laughs> Worflock. Worflock. It, it's uh, actually, what's the tab? Like what? That's Worflock tea, but the oh. other one we mm. um, kick tab. Kick, yep. Yeah. Kick carry. It's carry. Yeah. I thought that. you said you forgot to put it in. No, we put it in this. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's all we did then. And the rest was just I'm time. So pretty just ke sure. Kettle findings. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you said you forgot it. but <laughs> eh, I put it in another batch. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it did come out just yeah with that and then enough lager time. It'd be hard to believe it'd come out this clear without any kind of clarifier in there. Okay. Yeah. And how old is this beer now? What do we think? It's got to be eight weeks, right? Seven? Hey, Matt, when were you in Something Disneyland? Like that? <laughs> that was the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because we had to pick this brew day, and it was like, oh, God. We all, all of us had one day we couldn't do it on. It okay. Like, oh. Yeah. That's the time I was in Disneyland. Okay. Got it. All right. Well, lagered enough. Let's just say it that way. Um, okay. And then you guys, I haven't even tasted it yet, but you guys have. Uh, who wants to start? Vito? You want to start with your overall, with yeah. your first impressions? I'll, I'll start. Um, the clarity, Clarity's great. Uh, nice head on there. Small, tight bubbles. Um, then I'd move on to the aroma. And I I get a little acetaldehyde. Yeah. Um, Apricots. And yeah. Um, so that would be my negative ding on the, the aroma. I was trying to pick that out, what yeah. it was. Definitely um, an off. Green apple. Green yeah. apple, yep, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, Moving past that, I do get the lager characteristic. Um, mm -hmm. Taste is nice. Yeah, I like the taste. Um, bitterness, I think, would be spot on for the style. Uh, malt characters there. Um, you get a little bit of that in in the flavor, the acetaldehyde. Um, but yeah, really nice. Um, I get less of it in the flavor than I do the aroma. aroma so I was happy about yeah. that because yeah. I yeah I was, I was sticking my nose in there, going ah, oh, there's just something. The malt still came through, luckily, even in the nose. 
I couldn't put my finger on that. But then in my first sip, I didn't really taste it. So that's at least Can nice. you, speaking to the two who've done pro stuff, can, mm-hmm. can, you, can you pick that up in the bottling process? Like, is that uh, possible? Because I never got anything like this off the tap. No, that, that, and I'm going to go home tonight and smell it to see if it's there. Unless, and I don't see this being the case in this beer, unless it's a bacterial issue, but I don't yeah. think it is. Oh, I throw a little bacteria mm-hmm. in you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you'll, t- you, you'll get it out of the, out of the keg uh, for sure. I think I got it out of the keg. Oh, did you? I okay. think so. Yeah, I was trying to, and I couldn't put my finger on it that day either. I just had said, I think it needs a little more age. I just was hoping that yeah. something else had I to settle out. I never got this aroma, like, later when I felt better and I could smell again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's in the keg. Uh, where would it come from? Uh, yeast health. Um, ah. or, or pitching or pitching, oxygenation. Yeah. Oxygen, which uh, we did not We do. did not do. We were using dry yeast. Um and we didn't we didn't oxygenate the wort. So we did could... not use dry yeast. Oh, we did. Oh, there you go. But we used four packs, so that's why <laughs> we we, we overcame <laughs> yeah. our you know why use oxygen in terms of replication. We used four packs of White Labs, mm-hmm. um, and not, forgot not, to I'm bring not, home an oxygen tank. Basically, I'm not blaming White Labs. No, no. Uh, I remember this conversation. White, I, you know, it could have been his fault. <laughs> now, I remember this conversation coming up now that we're talking through it. Um, we're like, well, we'll shake it the best we can, right? To try and introduce as much oxygen. Yeah. Um, and we were using liquid yeast. That, that Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, so honestly, I'd probably attribute that to to it. To, to not adding pure oxygen? Yes. For, for so the, it was under oxygenated. Yep. Well, there's plenty yeah. of great okay. beers that are shaken. Yeah. You know, you don't shaken, not stirred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I was home brewing, I, I did a lot of uh, uh, oxygenated, quote, I can't say quote, uh, oxygenated a lot of beers just by going out there and peri- peri- periodically shaking the the carboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I definitely you know this here doesn't strike me as a bacterial issue. It strikes me more as a as a yeast, um, pitch, yeah, either pitching rate or de- definitely not yeast health because it's a fresh pitch, pitching rate or oxygenation. Mm-hmm. Wasn't one of our theories with pitching so much uh, that I thought I heard Vito say that day is that the O2 is only needed during replication. Reproduction, yeah. Correct. So was your thought that there wouldn't be much of that since we put so much yeast in that like replication wasn't really? Cell count. So yeah, that's, I think we were even debating that. I was, Chris might've said, let's use three. And I'm like, no, use all four of those because we have no oxygen. Okay. I pushed for all four. But yeast is going to replicate itself no matter what. Does it really matter? The pitch? Uh, uh, it needs, um, uh, and, and Matt could probably jump in here, uh, the cell walls, uh, what is the, the word I'm looking for in order to, 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 to split and reproduce? The steriles. Steriles, yeah, yeah, sterile levels. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But I guess what I'm getting at is, it does, had we pitched 10 pitches, they still want to replicate and need oxygen. Correct. You don't want to tax the yeast too much. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a point at which, at which you're, you're taxing replication, you're taxing growth and, and they'll, okay. they'll start to basically spit out these, these, uh, for be- lack of a better term, congeners into the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, uh, acetaldehyde and, you know, diacetyl of course is, is are are congeners that can be spat okay. out of the yeast cell into the beer. Got it. Dirty little yeast. <laughs> um, okay. What are your other impressions? So past but, that, what, what do you think, Matt? I, I, um, I'm digging the bitterness. Um, 
It's the right balance. It's got we like tasty. We should say yep. nailed the balance part of the recipe. Yeah, the right? balance is great. Um, I think the the acid aldehyde is kind of hiding the 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 hops that mm. that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, uh, German uh, continental hops. Yeah, because um, those can be really neat, very soft in this beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the balance is right right on i love the color love the clarity mm-hmm. um the bitterness is right on so okay so what's our actual malt built there Vito? why don't we talk about that yeah so we've got uh pilsner malt um which is 48 percent okay 16 percent uh pale malt two row um and do we use viking pale malt do you remember what we used chris you put we in the order used extra pale or we use breeze i can't quite remember okay and then uh, Munich malt, 16% Munich malt, okay. um, which equates out to four pounds for this batch size. Uh, and then this is an interesting one, uh, 12, uh, 12% flaked soft white wheat. Hmm. And then 8% uh, Carapil's dextrin malt for you know, head retention. Okay. So would you say the only non-traditional things there are the two-row pale malt and the wheat? If we were going like classic styles, yeah, probably those yeah. are those would but, not because so the, those the were hops like, those were, were tasty additions. Those were tasty is what I'm yeah. kind of saying. He yeah. he wanted the wheat and the and the pale malt. Mm-hmm. Let, let me also add that that pulling uh, the beer off of yeast prematurely uh, mm. can contribute. Didn't to, have enough time to clean up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. And I don't think we had that particular problem because okay. of the extended time due to COVID. Yeah, I was gonna say you <laughs> were like stayed sick. on there, yeah. couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. 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 So staying on too long wouldn't do it. No. Just coming off too early right. because it wouldn't clean up those byproducts. Is that Correct. what you're saying? Correct. Much like diacetyl needs to Correct. be cleaned up. Okay. okay. And we followed Tasty's favorite fermentation cycle, um, which would have made it shorter, but that was going... Um, actually, I don't have the fermentation. I have the mash, but it's... Uh, you're still spending... Yeah, I think it was like 9 to 12 days or maybe 12 full days. Yeah, so it was... Plenty of time on the yeah, on the yeah. but we were way longer than that. And we even went longer because yeah. of CBC and COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the fermentation schedule, if I remember right, was and I had to translate it to Celsius, and that was its own ordeal. But uh, it, you know, a certain one third of fermentation is done at roughly fifty two. I think it was fifty two, then up to fifty four, fifty six, and let's say it was like four or five steps. And then sixty one yeah. for a bit. D rest, yeah. And it stayed at that sixty one for a while. Um maybe mm-hmm. too long, I don't know. Um hmm. from, from from grain to glass, what what was the time frame? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh grain to in the keg at yeah. least three weeks, if not three and a half probably. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is a great beer, by the way, but uh, at the, the BJCB judging me, I had to pick out. You know, oh, yeah. No, no, no. So, <laughs> and it's what I wanted you to do, too, yeah. anyway. And like I said, I tasted it even initially, Interesting. but yeah. I couldn't put my finger. I'm just I'm not very good with off flavors other than knowing something's there. Mm. And then I forget what they are after all this time, even. So Lee McDowell, yeah. your honest impressions. <laughs> of you screwed beer. my dad's beer up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, luckily I'm more of a beer drinker than a beer brewer. Um, I smell what you guys are smelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I would describe it as almost like a like a bread dough kind of smell. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, well, that part character. That's yeah. the good part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I like that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look look yeah, for like fruity, estery kind of. Yeah. That the flavor I think is really good. I like. Yeah. It. I it yeah. Delicious. 
I think it's a good first attempt. I mean, how many rest? How many times did he do it? And when he found I mean, there, there was like seven nine or eight or nine. Okay, so. just just files that he had in his computer, and he might right. have iterated on. So are we going to make yeah. this an annual thing? Is I that what you're telling me? I think Maybe so. we can make that part right next year. Yeah, I think so. We're yeah. gonna have we'll to screw keep... up something else. We, but <laughs> we also so me and you're going to do this for the next twenty years until we win a medal, Chris Graham. That's my goal. <laughs> Bronze. <laughs> yeah. We, we talked about doing a commercial release of this at Danville. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. Matt, huh? I, we we have spoken about that, haven't yeah. we? We did. But yeah, you have to call it something different. So you can sell it. <laughs> you have to call it like a German pale ale or something. Oh, oh no, call it Tasty Tree. But, <laughs> oh, that, I mean, yeah, but I the can, style. Yeah, right? no, so absolutely. That, that was one of the things that that um, Vito and I talked about was the possibility of of uh, doing a commercial example of this as well. So, and I'd be more than happy. Mm. Yeah, honored. You have the name down. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, I would make us buy several of those kegs, Matt. So I'm down with that. Yeah. Especially if we, yeah, we nail it. We yeah. Could. Um. Okay. Well, we got the clarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got something else in there. We, we got the balance. No, the, it's the, just, the just being covered balance. up. Yep. In fact, it, it, I think it would be near uh, perfect. Dan McDowell is leaving. Nice Thanks. It's very nice to meet you, and uh, I hope we see you again. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Got it. Yeah. Oh, can't wait. So, um. I actually think it would be otherwise a, a pretty high scoring beer, you know, and, and this is part of the fun part, I think, of uh, and what we've been saying for years on the Brewing Network of, of kind of why people should enter competitions, because like we're going to get that we're getting that feedback now. But others who can't sit around in a room like this are going to get it from their judges, you know, sheets. Um, we're probably going to get it on ours. It doesn't go away, right? It's not like no, a, no, uh, no. Shit. I, I, it, I, it amplifies, I think, because <laughs> right, I think yeah, that's what it's yeah, doing right, right. now. I, I do have a great off flavor tasty story um what when we first opened one of our beers was pretty freaking flawed and and i saw it and and it was right before i i had actually ended up dumping it down the drain and uh mike had come into the brewery and he was sitting at the bar and he's sitting next to a guy who who was drinking that said beer and and uh he says you know i typically don't like this kind of beer but i like this and then Tasty turns to him and goes, then you still don't like that beer. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. I love that story. And, right. and and I take it with me and, and you know, shit, man, I, I've brewed stinkers and I've dumped stinkers and <laughs> yeah. I try not to let stinkers go down the, you know, go through the faucet at, at work. But sure. Um, that, that one time sticks out. <laughs> you still good. don't like it. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. that, that's one of the worst parts of homebrewing in my mind is, how many times have we all heard it? Oh, I typically don't like beer, but I like yours. Yeah. Is that a It's because it was free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's just it, too. Like, your friends will never tell you, like, oh, that beer's flawed. Dude. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Right. No, and only in co- even the, even your friends that will only in competitions, you know, and we like I said, we've said this for years. Tasty used to say it. Doc was a bigger advocate. He's like, you really need those, like, you need those notes. You need people to pick apart your beer if you really care about becoming, uh, you know, a better brewer. Well, that's one thing I love that Doc always wanted to do. Whenever we were going to do something as a club or as a group, he's like, all right, so we're going to have a tasting first and we're going to vet which beers are going to go there. Like, you know, his tasting booth yeah. at your place. It's it's yeah. It's the idea of like, you know, everyone's going to say they made great beer and that their friends said it was great, but it's like, we're going to do it together. Their wives say, oh, it's great. Exactly. Yeah, Get right. this out of my house. Yeah. It's fantastic. Right. <laughs> Mike, Tasty was actually a big proponent of that too, especially, you know, 
with those, you know, we, we'd get together and be like, you know, we're trying to win best beer at this competition or this, this thing. So we got to vet these beers. And, right. And, and, and to that point, uh, when he would go to Doe's meetings, he would, um, he wouldn't put his bottle on the tasting table for, and just leave it there. He would carry it around with him and, and solicit feedback. I, you know, looking somebody in the eye from certain people. Yeah. Yeah. From anybody who wanted to come up. Okay. He would carry the bottle with him. He wouldn't set it down. So, you know, whoever tasted it would, you know, taste it and then go off on their own way. He he wanted people to taste it. He wanted their feedback. Yeah. Face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked, you know, uh, uh, you know, all the best brewers we know really want that feedback and Mm -hmm. to be, and to be critical. Mm -hmm. One Uh, of the the cool things about judging, since we're talking about that is, that it kind of removes that element of, um, you know, face to face or even your environment, you know, you're, you're, you're honestly giving your impression of that beer at that point in time without any type of feedback. Cause we've all sat in circles and you'll be like, Oh, I get, you know, pineapple. And then all of a sudden everybody gets pineapple, you know, or whatever. So it's like, I love that about judging is that, that you have that honest expression of what you personally, um, take away from that beer. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Do we want to pour the first one that we uh, see if there's any? I yes. just want to open one and smell it at least. Yeah, I, I doubt people are really going to want to swig it down. But. So we bottled some, like we we're saying, about two weeks earlier, week and a half, something like that earlier. And that was the one that wasn't quite clear yet. But I bet it cleared in the bottle is I'm what sure. I'm guessing. It did. Um, so with this one that I tasted, I would give it a 28 to 29. Okay. Take away the acetaldehyde, I'd give it a high 30s, uh, maybe low 40s. It's okay. Too. Yeah. It's it's in this one as well. You yeah. Are. Yeah. All right. We're trying this one out too. Um, well, you know, these are the things that happen. Yeah. What's going to do? Um, what's the, uh, let's go through the rest of the recipe too. Um, what were the hops? Uh, oh, yeah. It's there as well. Um, so let's see. Let's see. And this bottle so, has a bit of sediment in the bottom, too. Uh, this yeah. was, I, I remember when we were looking at the hops, it was like, uh, Santium, I haven't, you know, used or heard of that in a while. Mm. So that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hollertau, which... Uh, and, and this was, uh, in 07, was the hop a shortage. pretty much hop shortage. Yeah. So it's kind of like, get your hand on what you can get. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it didn't have, like, Aracia or... Uh... <laughs> so yeah, one ounce of Santium uh, at boil, uh, which gives you about... 18 IBUs and then two ounces of Hollertau with one minute left to go, which gives you roughly one, 1. 1.5 IBU mm-hmm. uh, for a total right around 20 IBUs. Yeah. 19. Pretty, yeah. pretty moderate there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I think all that would come through more without the. And the, the higher sulfite level uh, accentuates the, the bitterness, the crispness. So that'll give you, sure. you know, it's only 20 IBU, but it you know, probably tastes a little more, you know, mm-hmm. 25, 30 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, what did we brew on? A Bruzilla, right? A Bruzilla, a little five-gallon electric. All, all in one electric. Yeah. So that was one of my favorite parts of the day, too, is seeing that little badass thing go Quiet. to work. Those are so cool. Easy. It is so cool. Like, um, I don't know. It just, not just, yeah, not just easy, but cool. Like, it yeah. just does everything. Um, and it allowed us to do the step mashing really mm-hmm. easy, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's all programmable. Programmable step match. The the one thing I love about it is the um, delayed start, so you can get your strike water ready for you in the morning. Which normally, you know, I brew on an old Warbeer sculpture, and and waking up two hours before, an hour before to hit my yeah. my strike temperature, but being able to set it, yeah. and just wake up and mash in is great. It's pretty nice. Matt yeah. and I are getting ready to brew on a Brazilla this weekend. We sure are. Yeah, yeah. Doing some more homebrew, huh? Yeah, yep. I like that. Might make a couple of mai tais. 
for the day. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. It just was really easy to use. And uh, I just liked the way it, it all functioned and made me want to Brazilla, man. Those but, little systems are sweet. Yeah. And you guys sell like every single all in one, I think. Uh, but you like that one. Yes. For, for your own home use. And if you wanted to distill water. Yes. If you're water. not trusting your water source yeah. or, or you want to start with distilled water for your recipe, yeah. hmm. you can do that too. Oh, really? And if you happen to accidentally make a whiskey or something else, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just Yeah, you can accidentally But they're, I mean, they're digitally set temperature-wise. So that you just, I mean, I hate to use the old phrase, set it and forget it, but that's like the coolest part when yeah. you're trying to right. still normally, you're trying to control a flame and yeah. flow rate. No, that yeah, the electric water. part was pretty sweet. Water, water just yes, water. Yes. Oh, just essential water. oils too. Es- yeah, okay. yes. <laughs> so I'm really into that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing, because you know, this is the the fun of, of brewing with a guy who owns a homebrew shop, is we in our fermentation we had a glycol system cooling the thing. So fermentation temperature certainly wasn't an issue. We had what what was the glycol system we used? A little Ice Master 2. Okay. Um, and so brought that home. And then we used a, uh, uh, is it Fermentosaurus? What do we call it? Firmzilla. 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 Yeah. Thank you. So from, uh, from the same people then? Same people. Yeah. I see. It was a weird, maybe I can get pictures of this too to put up. I think Joe has them. Um, it's like a weird cylindrical, uh, like an orbit, orbital sort of fermenter with a, a coil running through the middle of it, right? Yeah, I think they call it the temp twister. Yeah, it's an, a base, think like an immersion um, chiller. Yeah. Same idea, but you use that to control your fermentation temperature. So the the copper, or I think in this, it's, it's stainless, stainless steel. It's stainless stainless yeah. steel sits inside your um, your wort. And t- oh, so it does touch the wort. Yeah. Because yeah, I couldn't yeah. figure that part out. Direct contact, okay. yeah. Yep. It is, okay. Yep. Uh, right down the center of it. And then that has glycol running through it with a, with it's a temperature. It's water that's... From a, that see. has glycol in it, yes. Okay, but, sure, yeah. you could use water, but but glycol allows you to go below the freezing point without the water freezing up. I see. Yeah. And then you were able to just program that for each of our steps of fermentation temperature too, right? I program me. So you walk uh, out there and hit the button. Five it, that one only works in Celsius, so that's where I had to <laughs> really bear down to uh, high school, and I forgot it. So, right, so you Google. ask Siri every yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. Were you using the digital or the Inkbird that you had remote Wi-Fi right on? Or, or... But that's not on the glycol unit. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So I have that for other things. Gotcha. But, uh... Okay. So then we went from there, and yeah. So what were then, our fermentation uh, steps again? The, the temperatures that we did. Do you yep. have that from the that recipe? There? I do. Let's see here. But, but that fermenter too. And, and if people want to see video shots of this, they can go to the Free Beer Friday episode from May 20th on okay. YouTube. Perfect. And yeah, of our brew day. Of yeah. our brew day and the fermenter and all that. That's so got that's, the exact uh, fermentation steps, the recipe, all that's on there. Yeah. yeah. So that is on the More Beer YouTube page. You can go check that out under the Free Beer Friday uh, video section. Exactly. Right. Okay. You can, you can see all of this stuff. Um, okay, so what were the steps? Uh, actually, I just have the mash steps on here. Ah, I do okay. not have the fermentation steps, but we use test, uh, Tasty's fast lagering method. But which... I'm pretty sure it's 52 for one third. Yep. Then you go up to 56 for one yeah, half. Yeah, like four degrees jump. Yeah. And then you go up to 59 for... Uh, it's like another third and you have to sit there and do all the calculations yeah. to yeah. figure out where you are. And then you finish it at 61 Okay, and hold there. And hold it there until you basically crash it and and, exactly. and transfer. And then that that fermenter is cool because that's pressurizable, and it has a floating dip tube. 
So then from there, I just clean and sanitize the keg and did a closed transfer. Okay. So there's nice. no oxygen pickup or anything like that. Right. Then put it into your Comos kegerator, which is where I came over and saw it. And then we, uh, we bottled off of the kegerator. Right. Um, the Nuka Tap uh, counter pressure bottle filler, which right. was pretty sweet too. Yeah. The, so and my kegerator has this too, the Nuka Taps, which you can twist off the end and put on different ends. Um, and then this one was to go into a counter pressure filler, right? Yeah. Which there's also video of. Did you put that up yet? Not of yet. The, of the not yet. Soon. Okay. Subscribe. It's worth watching because uh, Chris and I fucked it up a couple times. <laughs> but then, like, but you can see how you kind of get it dialed in too. Once, so, once yeah. you get like any counter pressure bottle filler, it takes yeah. a bit to learn. Like, okay, what's going to be my exit rate? What's going to be my pressures and and such? And once you get it, it's pretty easy. Right. But getting that flow rate of it filled—that's the hardest part to get set up. Yeah. Know? But it was also super cool to just leave it in your kegerator and be able to like switch out these attachments, uh, do the bottle fill, and then just put it back on tap. Well, and that's where the know. duo tight stuff makes it so fast and yeah. easy, where you're not taking hose clamps off and trying to find barbs to shove in there. It's just perfect. Clip, clip. Yeah. yeah. Watch our video on that, too. That one must be up by now. When I got my kegerator, that's, that one's up or coming up? That it's, one's up. Oh, that one's been up Because that was the other thing that made me fall in love with the Comus kegerator is this no... This you just push it, you know, like the like the copper plumbing fittings, like the no weld. So it reminds me like of that type of stuff. You just push it in and it does all the what work. What do they for call it? Shark bite or something like that. But yeah. then there's the John Guest fittings, which have been around for Those years. And these are just like them. Yeah. They're just called duotite. Okay, got it. Uh and yeah, just removing them is simple. So like Graham and I were talking, uh, he's like yeah, I'm just going to throw away the hose every time because now I don't have to deal with hose clamps or whatever. So if it's, yeah, like instead of cleaning, like running all the cleaner through it, we're just going to throw away. I'm already on my second. Thing Are you? <laughs> and I recycle them. I put them in the recycle bin. I'm sure. The well, that's what me I meant. That. Yeah. yeah. Nobody recycles anymore. China stopped taking it. So don't worry. <laughs> just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. All of the ease of use with this stuff. And so, yeah, I was fascinated even by the by the bottling because I would remember um, like going to Doc's house and. Like he would have out this entire contraption. It was the more beer counter pressure filler, but it had to be done in a special. You got all your T's and, and your Y's yeah, and, yeah. and your tubing, and then when you were done, you had to kind of take off some things and recap them up and, and yeah, yeah, pain in the butt. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm still proud of us for doing this. I'll be curious uh, what the what the score sheets come back like. They I won't be good. I think that yeah, I think they're going to be in the low. They're going to be. I was going to say the low twenties. You know, judges are pretty generous. They don't want to give you a five. You know, that's usually what I do is um, mid to high twenties because I know it's not going to go past that, and I don't want to just make somebody feel you know bad, right? You know, so it's <laughs> right. you, want, you want to put some money on this. Huh? I'll, over I'll, under? I'll, I'll put over, yeah, yeah. The over <laughs> under. If I, I would, if it didn't have this one fatal flaw, we should totally have done that. We would absolutely. Well, should, I'm going to continue should brewing this recipe. Yeah. yeah, I think that's going to be one of my things and the challenge. What, one of the shows that uh, I'm trying to do for Free Beer Friday is I'm a guy who loved to brew, loved three vessel systems, loved gadgets and parts all over my garage and. Right. Then I would lose half of them and then go to brew six months later and couldn't find it. My wife's using it for lobsters or something and, <laughs> right. and whatever. And, and when I first brewed on this electric system, I was like, my God, it's stored in like this hidden closet and it yeah. was so easy to use. And I didn't even have to worry if I was out of propane and, and all these things. And so I just started using that more and more. And now 
it's like ah, the other thing. I have nine year old twins. Where's the time? There's no time. I have swim team, which sucks. Yeah. Um, so my Saturdays <laughs> are pretty sucks. much gone <laughs> all the time. And so it's like, okay, so now my next thing, and I already did this recipe once and brewed it in two hours. And when I say I brewed it in two hours, I cleaned up and was done at right. well, 206. So I failed. But we're going to start airing those. And I, the only thing I get to do is preheat the water but try to make modifications of how long you're going to mash for, how long you're going to boil yeah. for. But uh, I'm also playing with, there's a 220 version of the... Um, the system, 220, so, okay. Like so, the electrical part. Yep. Okay. So uh, I just did last Friday a test, and the 110, which I've been using forever, the equivalent, this is the new 4.0 version of them. Um, but the 110, to get from 65 degrees tap water to a boil took two hours oh, and yeah. to do it in my 220 version was just under an hour. I so see. that's how mm. much time savings the, the bigger burners get you. Okay. You know, that, that's the whole reason I got into brewing. Uh, it's home brewing. And, and now that I'm a, a pro brewer, I have very little interest in spending eight hours on my weekend um, <laughs> firing up <laughs> A sculpture, you know, yeah. a huge sculpture system. And, and uh, I can see that, you know, because, yes, I, I still think God, it would be cool to just brew something fun, brew something crazy at home. And, and you know, I don't want to fire up a, a 10, 20 gallon system. I, you know, yeah. and if I could bust something out in a couple hours, I could see that being great. And there's quite a few of those all in ones that are just fun and cool and mm -hmm. do exactly that. Well, that's why I like so. the five gallon size now, too, is this, yeah. we can buy so much great beer. I mean, look at your tap board. Go down to Danville Brewing and I'll plug them a few more times. Yeah. Danville Brewing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank you. But uh, you go to any of these bottle shops now and you could just buy any beer you want. And that's why a lot of us started home brewing is you couldn't like we'd go to a bar. Right. And it'd be like, please have Sierra Nevada or Sam Adams on tap. <laughs> yeah, Otherwise, it was yeah. Bud Miller or Coors. I mean, that's they yeah. owned everything. So it was better to brew 10, 15, 20 gallons. So, that, yeah. And your friends brew more. And, and yeah. you know, you would brew these crazy things called a pale ale or a, you yeah. know, something like that. Yeah. And now it's funny because now I'm excited to. I'll probably just keep brewing this recipe because it's dialed in. Yeah. And uh, you want it's one you want to drink at home yeah. that you can't buy. Yeah. And yeah. I use dry yeast, so I don't have to worry about this problem as much. <laughs> yeah. well, so what does that mean? Why do I not have to aerate dry yeast? Hmm. Is yeast the sterols are in there as part of the production of that. Yeah, it's the way they um, grow and reproduce it. They're constantly introducing oxygen. And I believe they're also using a different medium instead of uh, like uh, malt or malt extract. They're using molasses, I believe. Could be molasses. Um, that, which yeah. has a higher um, nitrogen levels, all these other things. So the the papers that I've read looking side by side with like traditional it is it, it's an anaerobic fermentation versus uh, aerobic fermentation is basically what's happening. So okay. um, the way they're harvesting dry yeast is uh, aerobic, um, which is the Krebs cycle for all you uh, uh, geeks out there. Wow! Okay. Um, so yes. people just turned off the show. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry guys. Yeah, no, no. Why don't you through. go through the Krebs cycle for yeah. us, Vito? <laughs> yeah, let's go through the Krebs cycle. The metabolism. Oh, yeah. This but, is what we talked about you last night on the show, Vito. Did you? Well, yeah, oh. me and Mark were like, Vito My knows everything. He just yeah. The, I'll throw one last thing in there, and for those who have heard me say it like two or three times that I don't use oxygen because I use dry yeast, I only do it on the first time use. I don't reuse dry yeast. Yeah, you can. But you should use oxygen if you do that. As soon as you've done that, you've done an anaerobic fermentation. So those yeast cells on that side of it do not have the sterile content that, like Matt was talking about. Sure, earlier. sure. 
Well, and using liquid yeast this time, not just we're, we're not just fans of White Labs, although we are. That's what Tasty would have used. It, it because is what he used. It, yeah, because back then, like dry yeast wasn't even this cool. Sure. So, and he was a White Labs guy. So we also just were sticking true to to of the course. recipe. And so. I will bring an O2 system home eventually. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's keeping the stones sanitary. That's my yeah. number one. Like it, it keeps me up at night, and I, I'm trying to do everything homebrewing now where nothing keeps me up at night. Yes, that's my goal. I love your new goal. Yeah, yeah. it used to just be. How lazy can I be and still brew? And now you have this other, don't be kept up at night while yes, I'm doing yes. that. Yeah. Well, that's how lazy I can brew without <laughs> yeah. worrying about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's going to be fun at NHC. I, I'm guessing, I thought about this because I think we thought for a minute we'd brew it again yeah. so that we had some to bring that's to NHC. two weeks away. But now it's now. two weeks away. We can't yeah. even do it. So um, maybe we can bring some bottles or something uh, that any, you know, somebody could Anyone try. really want to taste it after like we talk really, about yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it was fun to do and it's going to be fun to be um, at the conference. And who knows? Maybe we'll get a really shitty judge who can't taste the acetaldehyde. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> a whole patch of them. COVID yeah. rips. Oh, wait. What if COVID ripped through See, early? <laughs> yeah, they don't taste anything. Um, yeah. All right. Well, it was a lot of fun. I want to thank all of you for uh, uh, helping Chris and I do this and uh, being a part of the show. Thank you. Um, thank definitely you. a yeah. lot of fun. Lee, thanks for finding that recipe for us. Of course, my pleasure. I predict it will not be the last time we ask you to mine uh, yeah. your dad's recipes. Let's do it again. Yes, um, absolutely. Try something else. Um, his Janice Brown recipe is just out there, right? Yeah, yeah that that's, that's, that's that out there. That's like three or four knowledge. iterations yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, that one's out there. But he's had a, he's had quite a few. Is this the only medal he's won? I don't remember that. He must have won no, more. He won did more quit the competition at some point. He felt yeah. like he had accomplished enough and wasn't really competing, even though he was still brewing. Well, what did he win long shot with? Oh, it was a IPA. That was that. That was, was a double IPA. Double IPA. Oh, yeah. Right. So that recipe's out there. That yeah. they couldn't brew for like a whole yeah. year. Yeah. They had to oh, brew yeah. it like the year later because it was because of hop shortage, right? Yeah. <laughs> I used to do oh, for that content. Leave it to Tasty. He's like, I'm gonna make them a double IPA. <laughs> we were there, like it was Sam Adams and us, like who put that on, and all the entries came to me, and I had to hand type them into like a, a spreadsheet. Right. And one year they went with like, you know, used an exotic ingredient. Um, oh. It was well after Mike had won his spot, but and this guy put like this saffron that you can only get in like <laughs> one expensive. week of the year on this one island that you can't get to, but anything from like a hand glider and you know, only like right. a, a millimeter is, is grown a year. And he wrote this whole essay on this thing. And I'm like, well, why the hell are you entering? Cause they can't reproduce that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That was fun though. Um, when tasty one was super fun. He went on the tour. But he got to he got to be on the tour for two years. Yeah, he milked yeah. it good, right? Well, because, yeah, he, he, was doing. he, was <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Well, how cool was that? That him and Alex, like, right? Uh, two locals, two locals yeah. won. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty awesome. All right. Well, we'll be mining you for more uh, recipes later, Lee. Thanks for coming out and being part of it. My yeah. pleasure. Um, that was cool. All right. Well, I'm gonna get us out of here. Um, that's our show for today. Oh, my computer's breaking as I speak. Um, Thanks for getting all that beer to us, Chris Graham. You did most of the work. Hey, yeah, there. You and Vito. I just supervised. <laughs> I went to Disneyland. Yeah, you, you reviewed yeah. the recipe. We hope. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you never said why didn't you put O2. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Matt's fault. 
All right. Uh, don't forget to thank our sponsors. Check out the show page on thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, I will try to get this recipe file up there. Um, I'll try to get some photos from the brew day up there. Give me a few days on that, um, and I'll and I'll make it all happen. So it's all there on the Free Beer Friday show, or it's on the Free Beer Friday show. Yeah, the fi- the pictures are, but not the recipe. The recipe, I think. Oh, that's on the page too. It, oh, it's gonna be okay. Oh uh, go to the More Beer YouTube page, and you can see most of what we talked about there too. So. Check out the mashup. There we go. Is that you? Is that your show on yeah. there too? Nice. Plug, plug, plug. Like plug. it. Danville Brewing. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Take care of yourselves and your beer. The session is a production of the Brewing Network and brought to you by More Beer. Check them out at morebeer.com. Find more content and live video of this show on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brewing network. For sponsorship opportunities and information, please reach out to advertising at thebrewingnetwork.com. To reach our hosts, contact feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com.